everybody out there in podcast land. You are listening to the very first episode of Plus One. I'm your host, Eric Krasno. On this show, we're going to talk to some amazing performers, entertainers, songwriters, producers, and people from all over the music and entertainment world. We'll talk about their creative process, life as a touring musician, their home life when they're off the road, and what generally inspires them to do what they do. You'll notice that there's a theme amongst these first initial episodes as they took place during a crazy time in our history. A time where the coronavirus, otherwise known as COVID-19, has actually forced us to quarantine ourselves and practice social distancing, which as a musician is really hard to do considering our daily lives consist of being around other musicians, being on stage, being in venues full of people, traveling on airplanes and buses, which is all very dangerous right now. So you'll hear a lot of the musicians on this podcast talk about how their daily lives are affected. In certain cases, what we can do to help support a lot of the people that are out of work. In certain cases, we'll hear about the silver lining, which is that we're all creating now and we're all hunkered down in our studios or in our houses, and which may force us to practice or write songs or in certain cases find ways to collaborate with each other that we had never done before. We are by no means disregarding the severity of this situation. Many people sick, many people dying, some of which in our own musical community. But we're also looking at some of the positives that may come out of this situation. It certainly has made time for me to create this podcast, something that I'd been working on for a while, but now with this sudden downtime and being able to connect with other musicians that also were home, we were able to bring it to fruition. I'd like to give a shout out to Osiris Media, who has helped me put this together, and they also create a lot of other great music podcasts and events to help music fans deepen their connection to the music they love. I'd also like to give a shout out to 1111 Group and the Sweet Relief Music Fund, who both have been putting on great online music events and helping raise money for a lot of the crews and industry folks that have been out of work at this time. So my guest today, is a great musician, a great songwriter, and leads one of the biggest touring bands in the country. His band, the Dave Matthews Band, went from playing clubs quickly to arenas and then stadiums in the early 90s. Though the band did have some radio success, they were able to build a massive following by hitting the road and touring and building a grassroots audience. In doing so, they've also helped a lot of young bands along the way. They're known for having really cool opening bands and always inviting various different people on stage to jam with them. I was lucky enough to spend some time with them on the road, initially opening for them in the early 2000s and mid-2000s with Soul Live, but I've also spent quite a bit of time with these guys on stage sitting in over the years. We've also worked together in the studio on various projects. He sang on a Soul Live album singing Ani DeFranco's Joyful Girl on the album Next. He also appeared on an album that I produced for an amazing guitar player from Mali named Via Farcature. A lot of people don't know that Dave actually spent a lot of his younger years in South Africa before moving to Charlottesville, Virginia, where the band formed. Dave is also known as a philanthropist, supporting various different causes throughout the years and creating Bama Works Fund, which supports charitable programs in the Charlottesville area. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce today's Plus One, Mr. Dave Matthews. My 
I just sent you a text, right? As uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. as 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 you called me, I said, "Do I call you, <laughs> or do you call me?" And then my phone rang. Perfect, perfect. <clears throat> How you doing, man? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm, I shouldn't. You, one shouldn't clear one's throat in these days. Yeah, right. Or at least not within six feet of anyone else. No, no, God, no. Yeah, it's crazy um, shit, man. It's all nutty. It, it's uh, it's everything's uh, very nutty. I went out. It's uh, to I had some essentials to get, um, and uh, some food and some stuff from the pharmacy, and um, looking like a crazy person in a mask with gloves on. But um, then some people were looked more crazy than me, and other people were totally casual. But uh, um, everything seems a little, a little bit more chaotic. Um, and a little bit, and, and uh, although it's empty, everyone's got a little more of a, like, uh, I don't know you, get away from me vibe to them, which is fun. Yeah, it's everyone's- crazy. I mean, one of the things that freaked me out the other day is my fiance and, and I went hiking up in uh, Laurel Canyon. And, uh, you know, we saw some people and they, they all kind of, you know, moved a little bit out of the way for us to go by and waved. And then this family walked up and the kids, you know, cause I'm trying to figure out how kids are processing this. The kids ran away and covered their faces from us. And the, the, the parents were kind of laughing and we were kind of laughed about it. But I was like, man, is that how things are going to be? Or like, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's just hard to imagine what's going to come out of all this, you know? Yeah, I don't. I, I don't know if it, if, if it'll you know it'll that'll be the best of things um, will come out of it. But then you know who knows? And the worst people are you know my people can be terrible. My buddy said he was at um, went to the gas station uh, to fill up his car, although he hasn't used it in in a, a while. He's in Virginia. And, yeah, and they said the only guys at the gas station were um, uh, two guys. Uh, with huge, with two huge pickup trucks, the guns on the on the back, um, and filling up a bunch of you know, uh, fifty gal or whatever, uh, you know, five gallon uh, tubs of gasoline, and filling their trucks up, and fill you know, and it looked like they were, he says they they were get they were getting prepared, but he's like they you know they they had a vibe like they were getting prepared for something that 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 didn't seem like a virus. They were getting ready for a war or something. So he just, he said it was just, and they were, he drives a little Subaru. So they, they're definitely looking at him like, um, like he was a communist or something. But, uh, but it was just an interesting, he said, he says there was no one else out. And he pulled up to this gas station. There's these two trucks and these fellows. I mean, I mean, there's, there's sort of this, there's so many different directions that this can go in. It's bizarre. I mean, right. It can be, it's, it's bizarre. I mean, I, you know, if, if, if it got really bad, you know, we hope it, you know, maybe it's lucky. Maybe there's this, there's a sort of, sort of, um, flattening out a little bit in Seattle of, uh, new cases. It's still, there's lots of new cases, but there's, it's kind of, it's kind of calming down a bit. And, uh, and, uh, that's not the case everywhere in the country, but, um, but you wonder, you know, maybe, maybe we'll be lucky. And if everyone is careful and if everyone kind of keeps their distance and if everyone washes their hands and if everyone stays away from each other, maybe this, you know, maybe we can, you know, hopefully get through, you know, and, you know, hopefully New York can get, we can get through this without it completely falling into chaos or, um, you know, you know, or is, you know, it going to, is it going to go to a place where, you know, cause God knows we're the most armed country that's been faced with, 
with this um, virus and how bad it can get. And, and we, you know, you know, this country's armed to the teeth and not always reasonable with its weapons. Right. That's what so I was going to say. It's giving people, you know, these gun lovers reason to pull them out and, and stack them up. And it's scary. Yeah. It's scary. You know, and then what, you know, I'm not saying that everybody who loves guns is going to be nuts, but it doesn't right. make everybody no, who loves true. guns. And, you know, yeah, and, 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 and like, you know, if you if if your if your granddad's not going to be put on a respirator because um, uh, he's too old and we don't have enough of them, you know, and you and you and you've grown up wanting to kick some ass with a gun, you might that might be the t- time you choose to do it. Right, you know? right. Now that does make Cause sense because people people start acting crazy. But I mean, but it's probably more than likely it's probably going to be somewhere between. Um, uh, a, a non, a, a more of a non-event, and and that sort of absolute chaos. So hopefully, right. we'll weather the storm. Most likely, I guess the most likely thing is that it hopefully won't be. I don't know. If that's the most likely thing, but hopefully, we will. The best of our natures will prevail, and even if it gets terrible, we'll all look after each other. Yeah, I mean that's for sure. I mean, I've been seeing. You know, the parallel for me is what a little bit was being in New York um, around nine eleven, and people kind of coming together in a certain way. I mean, the silver lining there is that people are coming out to support each other. I know I've seen in the music industry, I mean, cause so many of us are losing our gigs, but then also our crew, our crews are out of work. Oh, right. The, yeah, you know, right. The, the people, I know so many people that work for, for clubs or, or, or run venues or whatever. And they're all, they, none of them even have any idea what they're going to do. Exactly. And that's, you know, that's, you know, I'm, I'm glad I can take care of my crew, but then we were thinking about how how can we spread it over more musicians and more uh, more crew guys, more local crew people. Because um, we've been we've been talking about that too. I've been talking with my manager about um, what we can do because uh, it is it is kind of a it is and 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 what you were saying about nine eleven is true. And I, but I also think that New York had like a fundamental change when 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 9-11 happened, because I remember being out there, I remember being out there when there we, we were doing, you know, sort of a fundraise and a benefit yeah. and uh, up there in the city a few days after when, you know, when we get back into New York. And I think I was there and, actually. I think yeah, I you, saw, I, I think I sat in right? with you guys or, or some, yeah. I think I, it was, uh, was that the Beacon or Radio City? Yeah, it was a, it was a little, yeah. it was, oh, I can't remember. Well, he did the one at, the Be- at Beacon, but then we also did one that was televised anyway. Yeah, yeah. But I remember, um, I, I might have known that by my, but I remember looking, I remember that that we were, everyone was, you know, outside working and kind of, and then a plane flew over top and everyone looked up because it was like the first, oh, like all these crew guys were like, well, that's the first plane I've seen flying over the city. I think it was like a week afterwards, but, but, um, it kind of was like amazing to see everyone stop and look up. But, um, but I think that city, like something happened. I mean, it maybe it was going that way anyway, but, yeah. um, it became a, I mean, it's always going to be New York, but it became sort of a much, um, with still with its attitude and still with it's not going to waste time with, you know, a whole lot of fine thanks and how are you? Um, why don't you come around sometime? But uh, maybe I'm not going to waste a lot of time with that, but um, uh, but it just seemed to get a whole lot, a, a whole lot less antagonistic and. And so even though New York, I think, might really uh, get hit hard with this thing, I, I don't know. I, New York, has, I have a lot of faith in that city and, and the people there. Me too, man. I remember 
after 9-11 was really the first time I got to know my neighbors. I remember because we were like, are you okay? Do you need anything? You know, and uh, I'm feeling that a little bit now. I mean, of course, it's via screens and, and texts and calls. But on, an, on another level, and again, I'm not trying to make this seem like not a catastrophe, but, uh, that, you know, that there is a silver lining in the fact that, you know, we're slowing down. We're realizing, okay, I'm going to hang out here with my family. I'm going to spend some time at home. Um, I'm going to work on things I might not have worked on, try to help some other people, um, you know, but, but also um, it's, it's just like supporting each other in all these different ways, but also kind of like just slowing down and realizing some of the important things that that need to be paid attention to, you know, and then, and then, and then the other thing is that we're, we're seeing in real time what it does for the environment to shut things down for a bit. Yeah. Just to slow things down. It's amazing to, 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 uh, to think, um, that just this, just this sort of, you know, not even a pause just to has done so much for, for, um, is what an impact it's had on the environment kind of makes you think that maybe it wouldn't be as hard, as we we like to think, and maybe we don't have to just ra- you know ravenously devour the planet, <laughs> right? You right. know, it's like we can't stop it because we got to keep going. You know, maybe right. we can just relax a bit, um, not necessarily become less productive or do less, but just maybe not do it at at the same pace or with as much yeah. moving. You know, I've enjoyed some cocktails with my friends on uh, on uh, you know FaceTime and uh, yeah, right, <laughs> and uh, Zoom, Zoom, which is enjoying a a, a, a jump in popularity. Oh yeah, big they time. should call itself Corona Zoom. Yeah, no, it's crazy. Yeah, I've been doing tons of those, and you know, with these interviews, but also I've been doing starting. I'd never done like lessons before, and it was kind of like, oh, maybe I'll do this, and then it poured in. I mean, everyone's sitting there in front of their computers right now. So they want to, they want to be productive. Right. Uh, So it's been kind of fun actually doing stuff like that. And I've been able to be in my studio. I mean, I consider myself lucky because I can be in my studio and work. And and usually I'm in here with some sort of uh, task at hand. Okay. I've got to finish this or I got to produce this. or I got to mix this. And now I'm just in here playing around and writing. And um, you know, it's, it's rare that I'm in here without a, a deadline over my head. So yeah, it's good. And the dead the deadline seemed to have um left the building. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure, man. Um, well, I appreciate you coming on and, and talking with me, man. I've been I've been excited for this conversation. Um and uh you know, we go back a little ways. I was actually trying to think of how it all started, but um I believe we played in Charlottesville with Soul Live in like 2000 or 99. And I think you, were you guys there in the building? Is that, is that how it initially connected? It was 99. I mean, it might have been a bit earlier than that. Yeah. Possible. It's possible. It could have been earlier because I, I moved out of Charlottesville in like 99, but not moved out. But I mean, I wasn't there as often. I was sort of actually, that's not fair. I was I was between Charlottesville and uh, and uh, and Seattle f- for quite a few years before I'm, I put a heavy my, before my kids were old enough to go to school and then right, right. you know we spend we spend four months out of the year in in Charlottesville and and 
a lot of the time in in Seattle as a family, but of course I'm driving around. But it's been a long time, though. Yeah, for and, sure. You know, I mean, it's, I was before is before Rashawn ever played with you guys. Right, right. Um, yeah, it was. was you you guys are killer band, killer band. Yeah, I mean, I think I, and I appreciate you saying that, but I think one of the things that um, that really sets you apart from a lot of artists out there is like you are always you know looking for new talent and new bands and and helping kind of helping out with like a lot of these these young artists and you know i think you you always bring really interesting cool bands on the road with you um i don't know how that started was that something that you always just consciously i don't know we just like you know you get to watch somebody else play and and it was always fun when you get someone that was awesome, you know. Even if, yeah. you know, whichever one, whoever it was that 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 you know that that was interested in the band, and you know, uh, you know, it wasn't always the band. It wasn't always us that chose it. It was, um, you know, it was definitely was sometimes, but well, um, uh, you know, sometimes as you know, my manager or someone who worked in the office would be like, "You should check these guys out." Maybe it was that, but yeah. but it was, it was always like. You know, we we wanted to endorse it because then then, and then the idea for me was like, um, you know, I'd want to I'd want to the, the band I want to opening for us is a band I'd want to go see. You know, so generally I think that was what always happened. You know, right, and right. and for the most part, you know, and 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 a lot. You know, I was always going trying to find the the, the people that were you know, less known or less people would be less inclined to imagine, um, you know, with whatever style of music we were like, it was always fun to get people that were a little more, a little, a little more unexpected, you know, than, than playing, than a band that, that sort of rang a sort of like a, similarly to us. And that was, I always enjoyed that, whether it was, you guys or whether it was the roots or you know it's getting get you know getting bands that were that were dip that were unlike us was a kind of a fun thing to do right. you know well i also think it exists within your band like one of the fundamentals of your band is everybody kind of comes from a different place a little bit but brings something together that's really unique and i think you know from what I know, you know, you were playing around Charlottesville and used to see Leroy and Carter and some of the guys playing, right? And then, you know, tell me a little bit about how you connected yeah. with them. Cause it, well, yeah, I mean, I played a little bit, but more like, you know, I'd go hang out with, with, uh, with, with friends and play a little bit. But I wasn't really playing that much. I mean, I, I had, that's, you know, I had done a couple gigs here and there. Um, uh, you know, some coffee houses or whatever, and um, some open, maybe sort of open mic night things, but not, um, uh, but not that much. But then I, you know, I, I with encourage with the encouragement of a friend of mine, I started writing. But but I knew, like I knew, Roy, I was a fan of Roy's, um, uh, Leroy Moore who played uh, sax with us. From the beginning, I was a fan of his for years, and then you know when I had this, this I had this little demo tape, and I played it for him. And, um, I was a fan of Carter for years, and um, and uh, and and I and, and you know before and but so when I made this demo tape uh, of of four songs, uh, I I 
I, I went and played it for Roy, and then Roy was like, you know, he's like, oh, I'll play. I was like, maybe we could, you know, record something together. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I, right, I didn't know. Right. And then he said, you know, yeah, yeah. But then apparently, you know, I went to Carter and uh, and asked him to listen to these tunes. I didn't know that at the time Roy had already called Carter and said, you know, said like, this guy's got some pretty, you know, there, there's something about it, you know. So Carter and me and Roy talked a bit, and then we were looking for a bass player, and it was, you know, Stefan was still in high school, but we were all good friends well, we knew Stefan, but we were also good friends with his teacher uh, okay. and and his uh, high school teacher, music teacher, John Durth, said, you know, so it was, it was, I don't know, I, I worked in a bar where, where Roy used to play, which is how I got to see him all the time. Tim used to play, in the, Tim Reynolds used to play in the same bar. And, you know, we, you know, we wanted him to join the band, especially Roy and Carter wanted him to join the band right at the beginning, but he had his own thing, TR3, which is still going, but it's right, you know, yeah. a, a, an evolution of, of that band. But, you know, now Tim is, you know, sort of a regular with us. And it's, uh, it's, it's funny to think of all those, those, the, the those guys that I, I saw Stefan play in, um, in the bar that I worked in while I was working there when he was still a kid, he had to sort of, you know, sneak in and then, Right, right. He'd always have to drink drink out of a coffee cup, and you know, and and uh, you know, but all that all those guys were in there, and then all these other people that were also in this sort of circle of musicians that we were all in together. You know, they, they all knew each other except, except me. I didn't, you know, nobody. You know, I sort of slowly started. You know, nobody really knew that I had any interest in music, but they knew me as a bartender. You know, more than anything. And how did the the songs like? Because I know you've got a really interesting guitar style, and are you, is it are you self taught as far as the, the guitar well, I think, thing? I think when I was because I took lessons when I was little, and right, I, then right. um, well, you know, nine or and you know, then when I was you know for a couple of years, and then and then as a teenager, I was thirteen or fourteen, and then. You know, I always played, you know, I was never, I never, you know, I was in Africa for a lot of that time. So it was just something I kind of did hiding out, you know, my in my room. And then, uh, but I started, you know, I started looking, I, first of all, I loved piano players. They were like my obsession. I was obsessed with like piano players. Um, and, and so I always wanted to sound like more like a, like percussive um, I didn't play the piano really well, but I liked the sort of quality of being able to play a groove on, um, uh, uh, and that sort of just sort of informed the, the way that I played everything. Cause I, and then, um, and I, I mean, this is in hindsight, which is, you know, I don't, at the time, I don't know what I was thinking, but, um, uh, and then also I, there's guys, there's guys like Robert Fripp I, and I would just watch oh, yeah. him. I didn't know what the hell was happening, but I, just watch him and he'd be this, the way he played was like, you know, you know, he's these weird sort of minimalist, not minimalist, weird things that he would write. And, uh, uh, and it just was ignorance. I didn't know how that he was tuning weirdly. And I would try and do these stretch things and they didn't sound the same. But I was like, oh, that's just kind of cool. And then it sort of evolved. And then also the, the rhythm, the way I play rhythm, I sort of started playing, I don't know how, I started playing these sort of ins, ins, inside-out chords, you know, and 
Um, I still struggle with bar chords. I still am like, well, wow, bar chord is a pain in the ass. Um, and it's more out of ignorance than anything else. I really do think that although I had lessons when I was younger, um, I think the, that my guitar style really started when I, when I started listening to different, it was in my late teens, I started listening to like, Abdullah Ibrahim, Dollar Brandom, uh, Keith Jarrett, and mm, yeah. oh, you know who my first guitar. Although I love Jimi Hendrix, but uh, and I love you know Jimmy Page. I love all these rock guitarists that a teenager w should love, I guess, that loves rock music. But the first guitar player that I thought, because I played acoustic guitar, that um, I I just w I sort of became obsessed with, wishing that I could. Uh, be like was uh, Joan Armatrading. Oh wow, okay. Because you'd hear, you know, that like like show some emotion or the way she. I mean, she got she has a blues thing too, but some of her stuff is so it's so much like like a drum kit the way she plays. Right, you know, right. you know, it's like that. She's just got such a and nobody know and and you know people that nobody really knows her that much in the states, but. But um, not nobody. Obviously, she still tours here. But, but, but she never really blew up in the states the same way she did in a lot of the world. Um, but then people that do know her don't really think of her like as this badass guitar player. Right. But she's a badass guitar player. Um, I mean, you know, some of that like, may, you know, some of that I think could come from, and I think this might apply to you too. Is like being the entire band behind the vocal, you know, and, and filling up these different spaces, kind of like, you know, Joni Mitchell was great at that, or even like Richie Havens, even though he, like, just, God he you was, know, right? I mean, it was insane. And his thumb wrapping over, I mean, I've listened to that. You know, I mean, obviously that Woodstock performance is his most famous, but if you go to any of his live performances, he sounds like an entire band, you know, behind yeah, I mean, you, know, you, you know, who does that. And, um, I mean, I was stunned. I, I always listened to him when I was growing up. Um, but when I saw him once, like 94, um, at Farm Aid, I saw Neil Young in front oh, yeah. of 60,000 people by himself. Wow. And he was just sitting down on a, on like a, you know, just like a, like a, just a chair. It wasn't, he wasn't a stool. He just sitting on a chair is one, the way he does sometimes. He wasn't standing and he just sat there. I don't know if it was a good mood or a bad mood, but man, he, it was insane how giant he sounded in that space, you know, yeah. gong, gong, bang. he's so every, he's so, was so big. And I was like, and I, it took me a, you know, long time to sort of embrace it, you know, but it was kind of a, that was kind of a moment in my life when I was like, wow, if I could get my shit together, <laughs> it is, it's, it's impossible. It's, it, it isn't impossible to fill a lot of space I'm not, you know, pretending I'm Neil Young, but I, but that it, that he made me realize, like, it's sort of, that it's possible to be gigantic. Oh, yeah. With technology and an acoustic instrument. Man, God, you know, Neil is a, is a, is a beast. And it almost seems like he just forces his way into being a beast. Um, and he's sort of like a caveman, but the, but he's much, but I think in truth, he's much more, nuanced than that i think yeah he's a pretty delicate um and pretty astounding composer but also the way he can make something like that work is is pretty unique i love his guitar playing too a lot i think he doesn't get enough credit 
uh, as a guitar player, man. There's some yeah. there's some classic lead lead stuff of his by uh, him, but you know, oh man, by him and the yeah. harmonics in the in the, uh, uh, what's that? What, uh, what's that? So stop, hey, oh yeah, what's yeah, that hey, the, the phone ring. Oh no, yeah, yeah. Not everybody knows that's Neil Young. <laughs> yeah, that's Neil Young. <laughs> man yeah i I love it I, by, by the way uh side note um the time that i got to meet neil young was i don't even know if you know this but you facilitated we uh opened for you guys at scott stadium in charlotte's oh, virginia right. do you remember that and yeah. it was when he had crazy horse out on the road and somehow we ended up kind of sharing the same dressing room space as neil young and i'm like walking in there with my stuff and kick the door open and he's like sitting there like who the fuck are you man <laughs> and like <laughs> well, we shared like the carrot tray or something but uh yeah. i got he he was actually pretty cool to me once i was like i'm a musician i swear i'm in the other band man it's cool yeah but, he's uh, a He's a trim- he's a good guy. Yeah, that's one of my he's one of my heroes that Oh um, yeah. I kid that I can't believe that I um that I met and that I hang out with him. Mean, I just think I couldn't think I couldn't think more of of him. I just think, you know, lyric I think he just he doesn't he's like punk he's like a punk rocker in the in in the way that he you know stands up for what he thinks. Um, you know, but he's, it's sort of like a revolutionary, but then he's, he's, he's not an anarchist, you know, right. He's a, he's a reasonable man. I just, I just think he's, you know, just, he's, he always finds himself on the right side, um, uh, of, of things, even if, you know, but it's not that it's, it's, it's not that it's his goal. He's just who, who, the kind of person that he, he is. I think, yeah. Um, I, you know, I'd vote for him if he was running for president. But um, he's he's you know, but he's Canadian, and uh, and that's probably the last job in the world he'd ever want. Yeah, this is true. I mean, you know, the more I learn about him, I just watched this David Crosby. Uh, documentary i'm watching a lot of documentaries right now as i'm home but uh and then just learning about the kind of scene that was here in los angeles and laurel canyon during that time and like all those guys were just creating so much music but also really talking about some shit you know what i mean and i and sometimes i wish and i do believe that exists today but you know the media is not focusing on those people but back in those days like csny was one of the biggest artists in the world they were playing arenas um and they were really you know shaking shit up and 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 really standing for something people were looking for different things yeah. right people yeah. people um it was a there there was a lot less it was a lot simpler you know uh but that's not to say not new unnuanced, you know, just that what I mean by simpler is there are less avenues, less, less outlets. There was less structuring. There was less business. I mean, the music business was, you know, a few decades old by that stage, right, and that, right. you know, and, and, and I don't think they, it, it, I don't think it had been call, ever been called the music industry, you know, but, you know, but now music is, you know, you can, you can, make a fortune writing music for video games and um or you can get your song on a soundtrack or or maybe you know you can write a jingle for for a, a, a toothpaste ad and there's nothing wrong with that you know what i'm what i'm saying is it's like this it's changed it's become this you know and then there's a million outlets 
of anything. My kids can listen to music um, on their phone and be talking to people and be, uh, you know, watching something else and watching TV. I mean, I lose my mind when I'm when I'm sitting with them, but it's just like a different universe. And you think, how how did it get here? When in 1977, whatever, whenever uh, you know Paul McCartney's uh, singing, maybe I'm a man. He's followed by. Uh, a John Denver tune, and then after that is a Marvin Gaye tune, and after that is Donna Summers sound like she's having sex, but they're all on the same radio station, <laughs> right? Right. You know, and that's and that's that was normal. You know, like what are we? Uh, and but but now you you couldn't find a radio station like that unless it's a, a, a college station, a public radio station during a during a fun drive. Right, right. You know, then they'll play everything, and then you know go back to playing stuff that nobody's ever heard of um, uh, on principle when they're not doing a fun drive. You know, a lot of people listen now via whatever, Spotify, Apple Music, and these algorithms. And I think sometimes that's really cool because you find new stuff and it'll play stuff based on this or based on that. And there's a lot of pluses to it. But yeah, when you turn on the radio, I mean, I can't even turn on the radio anymore because a lot of times it's the same three, four songs. Yeah, it is. But I got to tell you, yeah, or even if they have different words. Um, But but, uh, (laughs) I, I, I also find that if you go on Spotify and you, uh, put on think I on a personal level sometimes I get really dis- depressed if you make you you put on a someone says uh you know uh I go into a restaurant and they and and I'm and I go I this happened to me this was just and I was like yeah. god every everything was so light and soft and I and I and they're friends of mine that own the place and I said what radio what is what are we listening to and they said actually it's Dave Matthews radio. And I was like, <laughs> fuck, it's the worst. I was like, yeah. it's the worst. So, so that, so if you want a good radio station, <laughs> don't name it after our band <laughs> because it is not going to be the best stuff unless you're really lucky and super specific. Right, um, right. But if I could make a radio station, I would just want to jump all over the place. But, you know, with, with uh, I gotta yeah maybe I'll go to, I'll call Sirius we got a station over there I gotta go to Sirius and I gotta say let me do I want yeah I think they they asked me to so I gotta do that go over there and do a do a uh, do a show just doing um all my music that'll probably get the lowest um um uh, uh, ratings of of our of our radio station is when I when I become the DJ because people are like that is that shit is too weird. <laughs> it's unli- unlistenable. I would definitely tune in. I would tune yeah. in no problem. Yeah, be, I think I'd be curious, you know. Growing up in Johannesburg, I'm curious, like what what were you listening to then, and how did how did that kind of feed into your inspiration to become a musician? When I first um, started listening to music, we were we were uh, I was like, this is not to be quick. So, but when I first sort of got obsessed by music, which ruined my little league career, but was we were living in England for my dad was a physicist on sabbatical and. We were in Cambridge, um, in uh, in the UK, and and uh, I found my parents' uh, 
uh, uh, found the Beatles. Um, it was like a, 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 a greatest hit sort of, or the Beatles. Right, right. Um, called Oldies But Goldies, um, which is, this is like in, you know, 1972, I think, when I found it, and I, or maybe 73, and then, and then I just listened to it, uh, you know, all that's all I listened to all the time. And then, um, when we moved back to the States, they, they had a full record collection, and I found Sgt. Pepper's, because oh, yeah. that was, we moved back to the States like, uh, within the year. And then I was obsessed by them, and then I, my first record that I ever bought was, was uh was uh with my pocket money was magical mystery tour and i didn't know anything it just was the coolest looking cover i mean i was eight or something and it was you know got my save my money and and so i obsessed on the beatles and and then you know by the time i was 10 you know i, I my my brother or 11 my brother started begging me to listen to something other than the beatles because you know you're a little kid you get obsessed by batman yeah and my you know or superman and then it's like i'm not giving up superman and then eventually someone says you know you should check out iron man or something like that you know it's equivalent of that um yeah, yeah. and 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 my brother you know started turning me on to you know pink floyd and led zeppelin and 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 and, and, and my mind is open and my mom is turning me on to always there's always classical music but my mom you know is listening to folk music and you know cat stevens and uh and and John Denver, my dad loved John Denver. But so when I moved back to South Africa, I was pretty. It, it wasn't my choice when we moved to South Africa, where where our family was from. Um, I was pretty obsessed by, you know, sort of uh, English and American rock music and pop music, and that was my thing. And it took me a few years of living in South Africa and hearing the music that was just sort of there and occasionally on the radio because you know that was during the uh, the 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 end of apartheid and it was you know i'd have to go and smoke pot with the guy the guys who worked at the dairy um across the valley that my uncle owned um and then they, there'd be music there and it, but it right. wasn't music i was like i don't know there's different things that started leading me toward um more african music my parents had i'd heard you know i knew hugh masakala i knew um a little bit of uh, great South African music, but I didn't know enough. And then I started getting into uh, Abdul Ibrahim, and and oh, yeah. then I started. So in my in my the end of high school, and then once I got out of high school, I started sort of obsessing on African jazz, and then I moved back to America, and so I was sort of obsessed by a lot of just this great music that was happening. And then also the, the pop music that was happening there. So I don't know. It's like a mix, a, a mix up of, of lots of kinds of music that I loved. And I guess the thing that maybe tied everything together that somehow it was, um, you know, I guess I just told myself it was sort of everybody has their version of folk music. And, and so even if you're, you know, and, and pop music is just, you know, folk music made popular or whatever. Right. And so, but I think it was it was African music, jazz music that got me more into um, American jazz music and people in America, or maybe more open to it. And then I, you know, I never played like that. But I, right. um, I think like my one of my favorite records of all time. I'm not alone. I mean, it's you know, it's like it's like the Celine Dion of which is a terrible thing. I would never tell. <laughs> I should never. I, I should never tell um, Keith Jarrett that. But. Um, but was that Cohen concerts is one of you know I just was I li I wore that oh, that yeah. record out 
Yeah. And it was, and, and then I just re- really heard a cool story about that on the radio. He almost didn't play that concert. Oh, really? Because, you know, he's pre- famously and rightly pretty, you know, his rider is pretty specific when it comes to what instrument he's going to play. You know, gotcha. he doesn't yeah, take yeah. his, his pin on his back. Um, and, and the, the woman who had promoted the show was a young college student and she just became obsessed in, in, you know, in, in this German kid and she was obsessed by jazz. And so she had somehow promoted the show at the, you know, the concert hall there. Um, and she had somehow, you know, connected with Keith Jarrett's, you know, management than he that he was on tour with and booked the show, sold out the tickets, but she didn't know anything and she just had this, you know, baby grand there, this oh, practice no. piano. Yeah. And he walked in on a rainy, miserable day and he saw the piano and he just turned around and said, I'm not playing and he left. And wow. uh and and apparently she's standing out, you know, this is the story on the radio, which is insane to me because I'd love the record for, you know, for I swear I'd love the record for 25 years, no, 30 years when I heard this story. And I was like, and I was, uh, and, she, and, you know, then the, the, and I was stunned to hear this, this tale. Uh, she's outside, apparently, and maybe this is romanticized by the DJ or whatever, but she's outside at the car begging him. It's sold out. So he goes in. And he agrees to play the show. Nobody knows why, because he never would have. He played the show, and he, and they had taken a recording rig with them, I think. This is the story. Wherever they went, and they had recorded every show. And he said, they, the, the, the guys who were recording said, well, let's not worry about recording this, because it's, you know, that's just a shitty practice piano. And he goes, yeah. well, just record it. So if anyone ever asks why we always demand a, a, a grand piano, oh, they shit. will know. Right, and right. so they recorded the shit, and it's the number. I think it's the. They said it's the number one selling solo piano uh, jazz record of all time. That is crazy. I love she, that. That made it even better because imagine why. I, I like to think while I'm listening to it, and he's like, Rrr. I mean, I'm sure he's making the most of it, but that while he's doing it, he's going, "Damn, this this shit sounds correct." Right, I mean, because right. his performance is so astounding that he must have been thinking, "And this is good." Or, yeah. see, sometimes, because I've had situations, of course, I'm not going to compare myself to Keith Jarrett, where I'll be like, oh, man, I got to play this crappy amp, but I'll get through it, and then I'll try harder to, I'll wrestle with this situation, oh, yeah, think right? it sucks, and then listen back, and it's actually the best ever, you know what I mean? Because of, like, this weird turmoil between me and the, the instrument or me and the gear, Um and you know, see, I don't know who who knows, but it sometimes it brings out a whole other beast when you're, you know, out of your comfort zone. I guess maybe. Yeah. But yeah, I now I got to listen back to that album, knowing that. Oh, it's so beautiful! It's so shocking. Crazy. I mean, there's 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 140 hours of applause, but yeah, yeah. You know, I think he just leaves it on there. Um, but that's crazy. Um, I think we're guilty of that too. But it's so. Such a beautiful record. I mean, I can I can sing I can sing along. It's one of the rare, you know. I just know, you know, I just know every single note. I couldn't right. play it, right? Not a chance. But I can sing along. Yeah, that was. Uh, I mean, it's for a lot of people too. But Miles Davis, Kind of Blue, was the record. Oh yeah, right. and something else by Cannonball Adderley. Those were the two records for me. Where just every note, man, I used to just listen over and over and over. 
it is like it is like one of those things when you like when kind of blue comes on and you're somewhere even if you've listened to it a million times and people you know might be like oh it's been played too many times but if i'm anywhere i don't care what people you know if i'm anywhere and i hear that record come on it's just like oh uh, it's yeah it's it's a it's a mood are there are there any albums or even songs by a songwriter specifically that you would kind of point to as something that inspired you as a writer or that you that made you want to be an artist or a writer yeah i think um i definitely think keith jarrett was was one not obviously it didn't want to make me me be a songwriter i think that you know neil young and uh and the people that we talked about, the Beatles and, you know, all that is, is real. But then, you know, Bob Marley and all the things that, you know, everybody's listened to. Those were things. But when I think, uh, like, I think like that right now, um, uh, I want to tell everybody, listen to Danny Barnes. Cause he's like, is my friend yeah, is, yeah. is a, is a, um, plays the banjo. He plays the guitar too. He plays, we could play, I'm sure he can play anything. But, yeah, um, yeah. but, uh, as far as just classic songwriters, Americana or Celtic, whatever, he's just a perfect, he's a perfect songwriter. And, uh, and he makes me think that it's worth, like he inspires me because, you know, he's a man of modest means. Right. Um, and yet he just is so prolific and he works so hard. You know, when someone, when, when I meet, you know, people that say, man, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're so lucky you're, you made it. And I'm always like, well, I'm, yeah, I don't know. I, it's, it's lucky, but all I want to do is try and prove to myself that I've been lucky that I can feed my family and that I've been, I've been overcompensated. But what I, what I just always am like, please, can I still find the urge to struggle? Um, and, because I always said when I was younger, it's like it's like, you know, I I don't want to ever lose this hunger, and uh, of trying to make something better than what I made. I mean, obviously, yeah. people who listen to me thirty years ago say you're never going to do it, um, but uh, but I'm going to still try. And 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 I got to say, look, someone like Danny, I meet Danny, and I'm just like, this guy's. It's the kind of thing. But I see all the the majority of my favorite musicians are people that haven't been as financially f- fortunate as me, and um, and uh, and I just and I just think you know because that's that's how it is. The people that I look up to are people that are always people that are just w- working and and hungry and playing. But it's not. But that that the proof when when you've been doing it for twenty years or thirty years or forty years, or you know. And, and you're, you know, you're, you're still, you know, you still drive yourself to work, so to speak. That's the proof that you're doing it for all the right reasons. And so, so for me, it's like, I want to be like, like those guys, I want to be like you, Kraz. (laughs) (laughs) Not to say that you're not, I mean, you make, you're, 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 uh, as musicians go and rightly so, you're a successful you're a successful musician. There's and a successful producer, and you're well known. And um, and and so I don't mean it like that. But what I mean is, um, I you know I sometimes I, I feel um, I'm not mad, but I feel you know 
over rewarded for my work. You know, maybe it's just the socialist in me that that right. you know that's that that's going like you might you know <laughs> you might want to see if they'll raise the taxes. But you know what I mean? I said there's a lot of working musicians that do it that could probably say, you know what? If I just went and did this, I could I could make a better living doing that. Right. Even if it's even if it's music, you know, even if it's like. You know, a pianist that goes, I'm just going to go and do this other thing because I want to play these same gigs. I'm just play because I don't come on because I, you know, I can make more money doing that. Then, but you know, that never works, man. I mean, I always thought that worked because, but like, there's no longevity in that because once you've done it once, I mean, people see realness. And to speak to what you were saying earlier, I mean, you guys have worked your balls off for 20, 30 years now, is it? And uh, you guys keep it evolving keep it changing you guys are putting out new material you tour every year um so it's not like you've become complacent in any way you guys are always creating um, but that's what that's what i'm saying right like they like you look at that's what i'm and that's what i'm talking about is like yeah. that's the fight you gotta stay hungry for that because right. that's why you did it you didn't start doing it saying you know maybe one you know i was funny like i just i do sometimes think when i was a little when i was a little kid and i'd like and I, you know, play air guitar uh, to uh, to the Beatles or something, uh, which is weird. You know, pretend I was one of the Beatles um, when I was eight years old or whatever. Um, then I wanted to be one of the Beatles, and then you know, I dreamed about being a musician. But when, by the time I was in this, by the time I was in this band, or even before that, I wanted to play music, right? And then I was in a van. And then I just wanted to play music with these guys. And all I wanted to do was play music with these guys. And then things started uh, sort of blowing, not blowing up, but growing quick quick for right. us. But then it was like, how do we get all that, sh all the shit that's happening out of the way so we can still play music? And I think it's, you know, it's the thing that nearly destroyed it, but I think it's also the thing that nearly, that really kept us together was that like when everything else was sort of getting bigger than we were we were still like ah. so and it was a it was a stress it was a tension but it was also like i think what it made us sort of defiant to try and stay together i don't know what i'm saying but i think so i think it made us a really tight family for sure for sure and did you ever at any point in the early days imagine it being as big as what it is now or you know what it became well, that's no, it's just like it's impossible, you know. Right? Yeah, and, and it was lucky the timing was every time it was perfect. Like, every time we're like, God, and, this is, and then it would just go, just go up and it become like, oh, what's happening? And then it, it was, you know, it was amazing. But, you know, we were all, we were all, we're all together. It's funny, it's fun to be in a place. It's like fun to go to that gig in, in New York. Um, and, uh, you know, be, have you, you know, be there with you. And Willie and a bunch of my heroes, and then all these amazing peers, some of whom I knew and some of whom I didn't know. That that was a really great moment, but it was also really t felt really amazing. Like Larry Campbell to yeah. be like yeah. there together, and I'm just like, this is so crazy because we're kind of like 30 years ago, we were all. Not everybody. Obviously, thirty years ago, uh, uh, Steve Gadd had already made his mark on the universe, but <laughs> yeah, and he sure. was there. Yeah. But you know, that was the cool thing was that there's a lot of us that have been like 
for 30 years we've been like all together right. but not together i don't know it felt i felt like i felt really um first of all that was one of the baddest collection of musicians i've ever been um even in, if it was in the book i was like holy shit everybody was so overqualified and not to say overqualified but everyone was so was so um uh uh they that that room of people was uh everybody was there because they deserved to be um from where i was looking and and um i was just i was it was breathtaking of course, man. COVID you, we, none of us knew that breath. None of us knew that COVID nineteen was also there. Or I, know, may have been, you know? I know. Yeah, that part's pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, I get to play with that band every year, and was you know have been a part of it for four years, and every year it just blows my mind. I mean, just playing with Steve Gad and Will, and not, I mean, it's like that band. I'm you know Larry Campbell, and then every year all the artists, and you brought the house down, man. My my fiance was just telling me. And she, her and her mom had watched it on the live stream. And they're like, tell Dave he was the best. He killed it. Um, but you really did, man. It was, <laughs> you know, um, watching watching you take hold of that band was pretty powerful, man. It was pretty cool. It was, man, it was, it was like, it was when a, they're, they're just, paid, everyone was just so patient. I wanted more of you, I got to tell you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I played a lot during the show. I mean, you got twenty something guys up there, so you know where everyone yeah, and they're all Larry Campbells and Will Lees and Sean Peltons and Steve Gads. It's like, you know, we, we we spread it around. But it was great having Jeff Coffin jump in and play the show with us. He was I mean yeah, that guy. I was really happy about that. I Man. was really happy to have him there. Um he also photographs everything so you don't you know miss yeah. out on the documentation. Yeah. Even yeah. though Danny was there. you get the pros and then you get him who's also a pro. I know. But Jeff uh, Jeff keeps me keeps me in the loop it's nice it's nice yeah that's a that's a, that yeah that was a i'll never forget that um i'll never forget that gig as long as i live yeah well i was I gonna mean, ask wouldn't... you but maybe that that fits in there but i was gonna ask you also if you have you know kind of a uh or this could be even one of one of your songs or one of the albums that you've created or it could be a performance the is there something that sticks out in your mind that's kind of a turning point for you as an artist that's kind of like a a place marker where like, oh, wow, like you kind of made you reflect and, and say, okay, you know, this is something that validates me as an artist and something I would be a fan of, you know? It was not, a, it wasn't, a, 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 I think a proud moment and it's like had a few, you know, I mean, there's, I have a lot of moments where I'm really like, wow, this, how is this, how is it possible? You know, we're playing with, with like we, we've said Neil Young a bunch, but playing with yeah. William Nelson or oh, yeah. um, uh, playing with, uh, you know, I was thinking we were playing a show at, at MSG and, um, and, uh, and James Brown sat in. I don't even know. Oh, yeah. I can't remember I how remember it happened. I remember this. Yeah. I and I was this. like, and someone said, James Brown is, um, I can't remember even how it happened. Right. But the next thing, you know, the next thing you know is that, that we have his musical directors in there with us on, uh, you know, at our sound check. And he's just telling us the arrangement has changed. Um, uh, and, and we're practicing this tune. And then when the gig is on, you know, as the I think it was the encore because I mean not the encore the it was the last song of the night because yeah because there's no way on earth we could have put it anywhere else and um, I mean he just 
it was one of I, I, we really felt that, and it was like we had to. I did, we, we talked to the people afterwards. We said, "Is it possible?" Because it felt like that room was bouncing up and down. You know, was that just a optical illusion because the crowd? And they said no. MSG bounces. So <laughs> wow. they said that whole building is sort of built. That yeah, that the whole building goes up and down, right? And I swear to God, when he was with that shit, that was maybe the most. I don't know. That we've had a lot of pretty crazy moments, but that moment, it was great to be in the band because oh, yeah. at that point, um, Carl Dennison was playing. Yeah, with us, sat in with us, and it was crazy. like um, it was a crazy. It, uh, you know, we were just, it was like, it, it was like being the best backup band. It was a great position to be in. We were just like, you know, yeah. just everybody was as, we were as tight as we could be. I was being as, as, uh, I was being as, uh, uh, conservative with how much I played as possible just to keep, yeah. kick, 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 you know, I think, 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 think that's just get oh, up, yeah. punk, you know? Oh yeah. man. Yeah. Crazy. I got to do the get on up. Oh yeah, he got to be the Bobby Bird, Bobby. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I got to be his. <laughs> I was doing this son. You know, no. yeah, I love that. I love That's, that. It was crazy. It was one of. Wait, do you remember what year surreal. that was? Oh, that had to be. Might have been around that time that we were. I mean, it had, probably the late nineties, right? Right. So Leroy was was still with us. Oh, Leroy was still there. Yeah. Oh, he must have been cheesing hard, man. He must have been yeah, so happy. He was. Yeah, he was. Wow, Leroy, Leroy. I could, I think like Leroy is. Um, he's just one of the m- most magical angels that I ever met. Um, and I mean, he's the most difficult friend I ever had. But yeah, that was his problem, you know. It, and it, and you know, a lot of times I misunderstood it and made it my problem, even though it, you know it made its way into my life. Yeah, and Carter and I talked about it. You know, we all talked about, it, but you know. Uh, he was a tortured soul, but man, he was a, when he was, if he came into the room smiling, he, there's nobody in there could be mad. Nobody yeah, in there yeah. could stay dark. If he came in light and, uh, the, the, the opposite was true, but, um, man, he could, the way he, his voice on that, he had a voice of his own oh, on man. the saxophone. One of the greatest and also the coolest man in the room at all times. Oh God. I mean, just... I felt like such a nerd. When I was, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he, he is. He, yeah, you just could you, and you could hang out with anybody. Yeah, if you were the Leroy, sometimes oh, yeah. people you didn't want to hang out with, but you could. He was cool enough to hang out, with, so you could hang out with anybody and look like you belonged there, or at yeah, least look like yeah. you were with a guy who belonged there. For sure, I remember going out with him a few times. Like we used to hang a bit, and uh, yeah, I do remember one time going out to a bar and they were like closing down, and he ordered. They told me now we're closing, and then he ordered a drink. They didn't even question it, and then they were like, "Are you with him?" I'm like, "Yeah," <laughs> and then they, they gave us they served. And then they gave you a drink. <laughs> yeah, it was just a, just a, I think a perfect uh, <laughs> description of, of Leroy, and you know, obviously playing with Rashawn and then their connection and then Rashawn playing with you guys was, you know, I mean, obviously it's like the saddest story, but I was just so happy that Rashawn and Rashawn has been with you guys. And, um, you know, now Jeff, I mean, play, you know, the, they're amazing, amazing yeah. addition to the band. It was, it was, and it was, a, and, it was a, and it was, and it was that it was, you know, that it grew that way. Right. Right. It grew out of Roy and, um, and that, you know, the, when Roy, I remember when Roy called me up and said, "Man, I I would really like to 
ask Rashawn to uh, come, you know, to come on the road with us and, you know, to be part of the band. And I was like, you know, and I was like, I love having him up there. And I was like, and that's your department, <laughs> you know, that's not, you know, I'm, that's not, that's not my department. I'm not going to start telling you what to play or who to play with. And so really, I, it was really, um, although everyone was happy about it, it was really, I put it on him and I, and I said, I know everybody loves it, Rashawn. So let's, let's, you know, I, if you, that's what you want, that's what, that's what we should do. And it, they just, I just love the way they, you know, they would play, obviously, they're, they're improvising a lot, but I just love that conversation. I just love looking over at him and Roy and how they would, and how, how they would just make, how they just do come up with these lines together. But the, it was the way they did it, like, wow, the tune is going, and, and it's just the way they would talk to each other, and you could see him planning it and be like, what's going to happen? And then they played something, and maybe it was something you knew maybe it was something you didn't know and and it was this this really sweet focused connection and then Rashawn has has brought that so it's, it's got a very similar obviously it's different but it's this but it's got a similar spirit i think when they, when him and jeff are up there and they're and then you know and, and they're and they're planning what they're going to do and you know in in you know in 10 bars right right it's a language you know yeah which is like- my which is my nightmare um, but, uh, <laughs> but it's not, it's not, it, it, not when they're doing it, but if someone said to me, okay, in four bars, we're going to end three, two, one, I'd be like, fuck. Yeah. Right. Sorry. Um, but the, the last time I was going to say the last time I saw you guys and, and, uh, you actually had me up to sit in at, at the MSG. I was my first time hearing you with buddy too. And man, the band is just firing, um, like never before. So whatever it is, 30 years in, man, it's, it's, it must be a good feeling for you guys to still be hitting like that. I just love, you know, I love when it's working and I got to tell you with buddy, it's awesome. And we love, I love having you up there with us. Me too. You got, you're just a generous, it's the way you make music. It's just generous, man. It's just like, I'm going to make a sound. It's, I want to make a sound with you guys. It's all by itself and all the way with you. I just, the way you play, you're one of you're just absolutely one of my favorite guitar players. I'm not blowing smoke up your ass, ass you, even man. if it feels like it. I just... <laughs> well, playing with playing with that band um, is is really an honor, man. I mean, just every piece of it, the songs you're playing, you're singing, and then obviously, I mean, Carter's groove and Fonzie. I mean, everybody. When you guys are on, it's like nothing else, man. I really appreciate hanging out with you. for Yeah, a while. man. Thank you so much for doing this. Um, and uh, I hope that your family is safe, and I hope you're not going crazy in quarantine up there. No, I'm lucky to have my family. I'm lucky to have everybody. I'm lucky, man. I'm, I'm lucky in so many ways, but I'm really grateful for for uh, the day and age where that this is happening in. I'm, and it gives me hope that maybe this could somehow wake us up. And you know, and if it doesn't, will we can at least turn around to those people who wouldn't listen to mother nature and and we can say we she told you so yeah she said we got to get our shit together my uh in a humorous a dark humorous way my one of uh members of my family on a big family text since uh covid19 started separating us um uh, and and he said maybe uh maybe this is mother mother nature's uh uh green new deal um right everybody go home and shut the hell up yeah. You can only talk to each other through your computers. 
We're yeah. going to let the air breathe for a little while. We're going to let the Dolphins back into Venice. It's, it's true, man. It's true. I think there's going to be a lot of interesting developments from this. And, you know, like you said, to look at it in the positive way, we're able to do things like this. And, you know, people are still able to communicate and share art. And some, in certain cases, people, some of our favorite artists are probably like going in the shed and going to make the most brilliant shit of all time, you know? Right. They're going to be sitting in there. Oh God, it's going to be some good shit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Billy Eilish is about to break out a whole record. <laughs> that's, kids, that's just going to be that's just going to be per, recorded and produced. Yeah, right. And, and ready the, for the printing press next it, week. Yep, all done in the bed. All done in the bedroom. Yeah. Good God, that's a talented little duo. I love I when know, people it's come crazy. out. It's Man, crazy. Oh, God, I got that right. Well, that's that's one of the beautiful, you know, things that happens in this day and age. It's like you, even though you get five bazillion albums a day from all the people making records in their bedroom, you also get some that never would have happened um, if it weren't for this technology. And exactly, whatnot, and you know? so it's like it's like what what happens is there's a way that great voices find their avenue because that's what happens. You know, we can't. You know, we you know we can't rip off the blues forever. Right. I mean, we can, but you know <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. 19, you know, nineteen the 1960s and 1970s, you know, that had that had an expiration date. Yeah, it's true. And uh, and and the greatest music happened then, but it couldn't go on forever. Yeah. You no know, rock, you know. Um, but and I just think that, you know, of course we're still t- taking from all the things that that brought us to this point, but then this point is also a really different one. Yeah, it is. And, you know, and, and the technology, I mean, like stunned by the music that people make and, and the way that grooves change and the way that things respond to technology, you know, it's, it's, it's stunning to me. Like the, the sort of the tight, but kind of twisted hip hop grooves that happen now. Like, Oh yeah. But, and it's only because they say, well, we can't have it sound perfect. So we got to, tweak it now people can play like that you know well that was that's the craziest thing ever that whole movement of jay dilla and all those producers and then now you have drummers that play on this lopsided beat and then now that's a whole thing and all these players and then people write like that and um it's yeah it's it's crazy watching watching the evolution uh right in front of us now you try and get some try and get some a 19 uh uh, you know, 1950s orchestrator to write down the rhythms of these things. They'd be like, they're losing their mind. <laughs> that's not how it goes. That's not what. It, that's what you wrote. There's yeah. no other way to write it. Yeah, there you is know? no way to so, write it. It's so interesting, right? Yeah, it's nuts. Uh, but yeah, uh, give your family a hug for me, and uh, likewise, you know, may try to enjoy. I guess enjoy your time at home, and hopefully, we come out the other side of this thing. Um, in some sort of positive light. Yeah, uh, some of us are, some of us, you know, already some of our friends are, um, are sick, but, I know. uh, but, and you know, you know, who knows who's going to be next. It's impossible to know, but, um, I, I think, you know, it's, it's going to, anytime we have to stop and reflect rather just, than just keep, Devouring everything, I think, is a good thing. Yeah, this is true. And we're watching the changes unfold pretty rapidly um, in a positive way for the environment, at least. Um, Let's just hope that we all stay healthy and not too many people get affected by this. 
Right on, brother. Well, Dave, thank you so much again for doing this and taking the time. I know you got a lot of lot of stuff to do, um, and uh, I hope we can hang again soon, man. Yeah, likewise. A lot of stuff not to do, too. I'm yeah, going to do that right true. away. I'm going <laughs> to rush off there and do that immediately. <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks again, Dave. Take care. All right. Later. Bye, Chris. Well, that was great talking to Dave. He's just a super kind, gracious guy. And I'm glad he took the time to talk to me and come on the show. And uh, I'd like to play a tune that uh, we had the pleasure of recording together. I think this was early 2000, maybe 2002. And uh, Soul Live was in the studio making our second or third album for Blue Note Records. And we decided to collaborate with a bunch of different artists. And Neil Evans was a huge fan of this song. Um, it was an Ani DeFranco song by the name of Joyful Girl. And we were messing around with it instrumentally. And we all kind of thought, man, we need a singer on this. And Neil actually was like, well, why don't you hit up Dave? Because his wife had just given birth to two twin girls. Uh, so it seemed fitting for him to sing this song. So I called him up, and within a couple days, he actually cut the vocals, sent it to us, and, and we mixed it. So here is Soul Live featuring Dave Matthews, Joyful Girl.
Krasno Plus One is hosted by me, Eric Krasno. Executive producers are RJB and Christina Collins. Audio production by Matt Dwyer. Produced by myself and Ben Baruch of 1111 Group. All original music is by me, and most of which are instrumentals from my album, Telescope, under the artist name Kras. This podcast is presented by Osiris Media. If you'd like to get in touch with us, email krasplus1 at gmail. That's K-R-A-Z-P-L-U-S-O-N-E at gmail.com. Send me some questions. Maybe I'll answer them on air. Send me suggestions of other guests you'd like to hear on the show. Thanks again for tuning in. I'll see you next time.